0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Well, welcome. How's your 2020 going so far? My favorite, I was trying to find the picture today before we came on so I could send it. My favorite is there's a guy jumping like this, and it's like he's got 2020 written across his chest, and then there's there's a, like a big dog, 2021, and he's just getting ready to bite his crotch. <laughs> and I just thought, yes, that's why. I'm the only person who says the stuff that's said from this stage in the way that it's said. You know, my my daughter and I we've been we've been recently have started just kind of a new tradition of Sunday nights we go out for a walk together and and uh, it was two weeks ago we were walking and it's like how's 2020 been for you and and she said she said actually it's been really good and I thought you know it's funny because 2020 has been really good for me too and it's like the. It, changes have come in my life that I knew needed to be made, but you just don't make them until stuff disrupts you enough to make them. And I can, I can honestly say that 2020 has been, I would say, one of the best years in the last decade. Not from a what's going on around me point of view, but what's been going on inside me. And I think, you know, so many things that... You know, the, we can just get fixated on what's around us, and we, we miss the point. You know, it's never about what's around us. It's always about what's in us. It's always about how we're responding to what's going on. It's not what's going on. It's how, it's what's going on inside of us. And so, what will the church look like in the future? Well, who knows? Who knows? We don't, like, every week, we just, well, what are we going to do this week? And it's like... I don't know, like, let's put four options in a hat and just pick. Yeah. Like, yeah. you almost get tired of trying to make decisions. But there are some things that I know is that um, God, church is God's idea. Yeah. You know, the, the, he created, he, Jesus said right in, the, right in the very beginning when he was walking the earth with his, his disciples, he says, I'm going to build my church and hell itself is not going to be able to stop it. And so whatever, you know, we're in the 28 years of pastoring. This is definitely the most challenging season that we've been in, like in terms of, you know, for 28 years, we labored hard to build a building. And now we're only allowed to let about a quarter of the people into the building. (laughs) You know, it's it's like the rules all changed overnight. We can't gather the way we used to gather. I t- it almost breaks my heart sometimes to watch the, the, the pictures, like on, on that promo, to see everybody gathered together and jumping and mosh. I'm not a jumper or a mosher, but now I want to jump and mosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we can't gather. We've, many people have gone into isolation. I have friends I haven't seen since March. Like, I have not seen their face in person since March and it's like I miss you guys I'd like to see you again but more than that emotionally a lot of people are are don't know how to respond in this season there a lot of people have gone into despair a lot of the I would like to say this the needs the need for God's house has never been greater the need for God's house, and we have to just be very wise as a house as to how do we adapt so that we can continue to do what the church is supposed to do on the earth. What is the church? It's a community where you can be encouraged, you can build healthy connection, and you can grow in God's love and his purpose for your life. And we recognize that, you know, that expression, it's changing right now. We're not sure how exactly that's going to look, but more than ever, we need healthy relationships. More than ever, ever, we need healthy interaction with other people. Our, our, our mental health actually is riding on the fact that we're making connections with other people. Your faith, your health, your, your personal life depends on being connected with other and with others. and whether that you're in this room or whether you're watching online right now, you need to be connected with other people. It's vital that we're connected. Isolation just, it wears down strength, but connection builds, builds it up. And so to help facilitate, one of the things I just want to announce uh, here and to those online, one of the things that we're going to do in, the, in the, it launching November 22nd, we're going to be actually launching our online location online location so and that's more and we're what we're doing is saying well what's an online location well it's like a location in person except it's online and it's uh, it's what we want to do is take take the online experience of church to be more than just watching a program but we actually want to create something uh, that, that is allowing people to connect uh Connect in a more deep and meaningful way, and, and you know, online is never going to replace face-to-face relationships. It never will. It can't. Psychologists will tell you it can't, but it can facilitate those relationships. We can make connections. We can learn and grow together, and, and it can become something that helps us to get connected better, but also supplement our in-life in, in life, real connections. Uh, our heart is to have a great in-house experience. It's always been, our, our heart's always been to have a great in-house experience, but we also want to create the greatest online experience we possibly can for those, some of those who don't have a choice in isolation. Some of those, we have, we have We have people across North America, that, actually across the world, that tune in to watch church. We would love to give you something to connect with us because you're important and your growth is important. And the church, there's never been a place where the light of the church is needed more than the Internet right now and social media right now. And so the church, it can seem like an antiquated idea, just a bunch of people holding on to an old-fashioned ideal that's losing relevance in our postmodern world, but I want to tell you, it's not. It's the, the, all through history, the death of the church has been predicted. In each era, the modern era, the postmodern era, and then whatever era we want to call ourselves now, people predict the death of the church only to find out that the church reemerges strong and vibrant because it, its idea isn't man's idea. It's God's idea. God planned for the church to be, and he planned for it to be be able to do something in the lives of people that nothing else could do. So our Heart for the House series as we launch this, I just want to encourage you. This isn't a series about giving to a building. This isn't a series about uh, four walls and where we gather. This is a series about having... God's heart about discovering and pursuing God's heart for his people. And cuz when we get his heart, then we start treating people like he sees people. And it's so important. I believe that the church right now in its true form is more important than ever. Not just not just to watch programs or get educated or get theology, but to actually be the church on the earth. To, to be the people that share their lives together, grow in their faith, encourage one another, and thrive in the years ahead. We're experiencing a huge vacuum in Western culture. And it's a vacuum of healthy connection. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of the social and, and the, the problems that we're watching grow these are, these are problems that are growing out of dysfunctional relationships. These are, these are problems that are that are growing because we've forgotten how to connect healthy with one another. Connection is the heart of the message of the gospel. It's first of all being connected to our Creator, and then it's being connected to one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's connection, people and love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's about connection. Jesus said, those are the only two things you need to do. You do those two things and you're gonna get the rest of the book correct. Connection is the heart of God. True, healthy connection has steadily been on the decline in Western, in Western society. And unfortunately, it's been on the decline in the church too. We've started to isolate ourselves. We've started to replace being the church with listening to messages. But listening, I'll tell you this listening to messages alone will not change your life. We're changed through this, this process called interaction. So let me ask you the question here How full is your joy tank? How full is your joy tank? Give yourself a rating. Zero being, no, it's pretty empty. And uh, ten being, you know what, bubbles of joy ooze from my farts. It's just... <laughs> I had to. I just had to. JD's got a shirt that has that. <laughs> How is your joy tank? You know, as I, uh, as I was entering my 40s, I realized that my enjoyment of life was dropping. And sometimes you, you realize things are dropping, but you don't really realize why. And then as, as, I, as I kept progressing, I realized, you know, levels of joy, my, the levels of joy in my life were getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And you know what happens when the, your level of joy in life goes down is your energy for life goes down with it. And so it, things start getting hard when you don't have joy in your life. Things that at one time were very easy, all of a suddenly, it, it be, well, not suddenly, but but over through this progression, they, they became harder and harder to do. You know, this is this is even what Nehemiah, when he was talking to the uh, when he was talking to the nation of Israel that was rebuilding. The wall and they had been taken into captivity and they were they were depressed, really, just to give it a word, they were depressed. He's as they're as he's sending them out to build the wall, he, he's reminding them, remember, it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. It's joy that's our strength. We need joy. And if I were to say, What is our real epidemic today? What's the epidemic that we're facing? Is we are facing an epidemic of joy. The lack of it the lack of it, we're, watch, we're, we're losing our energy for vibrant living because we're allowing our, our joy tanks to get empty. Joy, joy is becoming an endangered trait in the world around us. And you know, isolation does not help. In fact, isolation makes it worse. When you get isolated, you, you begin to lose energy and I was listening to a podcast last week and I couldn't verify the stats, but it it was very startling that uh, the the person who was speaking and it said the leading cause of death since March in America of people under the age of 60 is now suicide. I can't verify that fact. I couldn't find anything to verify it, but just the fact that it, you know, that it shows our joy levels are dropping. And when we start losing joy, we start losing hope. And it all started with this thing called isolation. You know, we're not meant to do life alone. Yeah. And our, our enjoyment of life actually depends on healthy interaction with others. Now, there's a, there's a phrase that we hear a lot these days. It's, it's PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Our whole culture has gone through a trauma. Trauma is not, trauma is change. Basically, if you change something, that creates trauma. Now, there's different degrees of trauma, but there's, we, hear this, we hear this all the time. I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing the word trauma, to be honest with you. But the, as a culture, we're showing all the signs of it. We're, we're showing uh, stress, withdrawal, isolation, anger, addictions. These are all signs of, of trauma. These are these are all signs of stress that isn't, isn't being handled well. Well, I want to introduce you to an actual to, to a new condition. And this is a real I didn't make this up. This is actually a real condition. And it's called it's called post-traumatic growth. And this is this this is not this is not Mike is making up terms so he can preach a message. This is an actual real condition. In fact, I didn't know this until I started to research it a bit. The majority of people who go through trauma actually go through post-traumatic growth. They end up, we say, well, what is that? Well, this is what it is. Post-traumatic growth refers to positive personality change following traumatic life experiences. Experience a traumatic event can have a transformational role in personality among certain individuals that facilitate growth. Those who adjust and exhibit growth enter a state called thriving. This is, this is real. This isn't just motivational speaking on the stage. Thriving includes not only resiliency, but additional further improvement over the quality of life previous to the adverse event. The th- the, this is the process of thriving that starts with the stress, the succ- succumbing to adversity, surviving with a diminished quality of life, and then resiliency, which is returning to the baseline quality of life, and then this experience called thriving, where the quality of life surpasses that which was experienced previously. I wanna tell you something, the message of the gospel is a message of thriving. The message of God to you today is a message that he wants you to thrive. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. Not just, not just just give you enough. It's like more, whatever you think I wanna give you, it's actually more than that. It's better, it's better than that. And so what the, what the research shows for people to experience this, this condition called thriving or go through this post-traumatic growth, there was four things that they noticed among samples. There's four main components that contribute to post-traumatic growth. Number one is openness, which means they were just, there was a, a hunger and a, a teachability. In other words, they didn't sit back and just accept. It's like, no, I'm going to learn in this. Eager to learn and eager to engage. The second was agreeableness, and this was marked by seeking to connect rather than seeking to divide. The third was conscientiousness, which is really another word for mindfulness, being present, being aware. They said the people that displayed conscientiousness were were better problem solvers and better at cognitive restructuring. As such, individuals who are conscientious are more likely to better adjust to stressors and exhibit post-traumatic growth. And number four, this is where I want to spend the rest of my morning camping, is healthy social structures those that exhibited post-traumatic growth had healthy social structures. In other words, they were not trying to do life by themselves. They did not try and win alone. They got connected. One, One psychologist said this. He says, we are simply incapable of change when we are by ourselves. We're incapable of change by ourselves. And this is Proverbs says, he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. You know, we do not change alone. We need each other. That's what the heart for the house is. It's recognizing we need a house. Yeah. We need a house. We need to be connected in more than just interests. Yeah. We need to be connected at a, at a deeper emotional and spiritual level. Years ago, there was a large social s- study There was a large scale social study by James Pennebreaker of trauma survivors. And the, the purpose of this study was to ascertain why some trauma survivors are devastated and people who go through the same situation not only come through it, but they're more joyful and that more at ease than they were before the trauma took place. And so this study, they started, he started the study with the hypothesis that trauma with a high social stigma, so that's trauma like, like sexual assault or something that has a, you know, a high social stigma, was to blame. If it had high social st- stigma, that would be the reason that you wouldn't come through better. And they found out the hypothesis was actually totally wrong. There was no corresponding connection and no correlation between the nature of the trauma and the outcome. The number one factor in recovery was whether people had a support group in which to process the event. The number one indicator as to whether you're going to make it is whether or not you have strong life connections. Strong relationships. Strong connections. We need people around us, not just for pep talks. Not just for to-do lists, but we actually need them. We need people around us face-to-face, which is getting more challenging. I was reading a a book this week, and it's called, I would recommend it if if you're interested in this type of subject, but it's a book called The Other Half. And it's 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 a book on the church and a book on the brain. And we're seeing, you know, in our, our generation, we're seeing this emergence of a, it's a thing called a neurotheologian. And basically what it is, it's, it's somebody who studies neuroscience, but they also have theological degrees. And so they, as they're, it, it's amazing, as you as you begin to go through the Bible, you realize that God understood our brains before we understood our brains. And there there's actually a lot of things in, in the scriptures that address a, a breath a, they a, they address the way we think but also how to think healthy and so the, the the really quick summary of this book is basically Western Church has been living out of the, the left side of our brain for a long time the left side of your brain that's where logic is it's where learning is we uh, it's where you know, Theology is the left side of the brain. We learn the facts. And so we're, we're really good. We have lots of courses. We have lots of teaching. Like facts aren't hard to come by at church, are they? Like we can get lots of teaching. But teaching alone is not enough. And, and you know this. You experience this every day. You say, I want to be a good Christian. The left side of your brain says, I want to represent Jesus well in the earth. But the right side of your brain is your identity and your right side of your brain works faster than the left side of your brain the right side of your brain is instinct the right side of your brain is emotion and so what happens is we spend we spend this time learning putting information in the left i am going to represent jesus well the left side of our brain has this, this dialogue going on with itself that we are going to, we're going to do well. Meanwhile, you get cut off in traffic and the right side of your brain has resorted to sign language. <laughs> and by the time the left side of your brain catches up, you realize, I blew it again. How, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You say, I am not going to do this anymore. And you do it before you've even thought about it. The problem is you have thought about it. You, you thought about it with a part of your brain that works faster than the part of you that has to stop and think. And so we've, we, we have this, this condition of living. living you know, we, we spend all this time on the left side of our brain in the church world. We teach, we teach, we teach, we teach, we teach, we teach. But the right side of the brain is developed completely different. Do you know how the right side of the brain develops? Look deeply in the person's eyes right next to you. That's how it develops. Right there. Do you notice when you do that, you f- feel different? As soon as you stop and look at somebody, it's, it's like you can look at a, a picture of someone looking at you and you don't think anything of it. But as soon as you make eye contact in real life, it's different. It feels different. Do you know why it feels different? Because a different part of your brain processes that when that takes place. When the right side, the, the right side and the left side of our brain comes together one way through face-to-face encounters with others. Okay, I've left my notes now, so I have to figure out where I am. The Western Church, we've spent so much time on the left side that we're actually missing half of the solution. Half of the solution is only going to come through relationships. It's That's why connection is so important. That's why it's so important there is a house to come to, but also it's... It's also important why we have, it's, it's why it's so important that we have those face-to-face interactions in our own houses, in our own places of work, in our own, in our own lives. That we are having those face-to-face connections with others because it's the only way that that, that, that right half and that left half come together and we experience what's called integration and that's how we change. And, you know, the, the primary, I, I asked you, how's your joy level? Because joy is the primary fuel that, that facilitates change in our lives. Joy is the primary fuel that facilitates that change in our lives. Joy is, joy is what gives us the strength to transform gives us the strength to change and gives us the strength to thrive. You know, most of us, we don't change because it's not that we don't know what to do. It's because we don't have the strength to do it. It's because we say, well, I just don't have the willpower. Willpower, a lot of times, isn't the problem. A lot of times, it's the lack of strength that comes from the lack of joy that we have in our lives. Joy is the primary fuel that strengthens us to change, and never has there been such an assault on joy as there is right now. And heart for the house—it's about having a connect to thri- It's about having a heart to connect and thrive and grow and experience joy. And so, as we, as we uh, just this—you can just—we're doing another song. So you see the band coming on, it's so nice and orderly. They're cohorts, so they can stand nice and snugly and they can gaze into each other's eyes and experience warm, fuzzy feelings together. You know, a lot of relationships would be fixed if we just stopped and looked at each other. Just stop and look. So where where do we learn joy? Well, where do you learn to smile? You learned it when you were young. You guys throw that picture up. Where do we learn? We learn to smile from our parents. We learn to smile from those who who gaze into our faces as our brains are being formed. Joy is primarily transmitted through the face. We see joy because of the expressions that are on the face, look at that. Does that not look like a good time right there? We see joy through face-to-face interactions. Joy does not actually exist outside of relationship. You look at this, you look at this picture. If you see that picture from the back, it means nothing. Face-to-face, we learn to speak a different language. It's a language of the heart. It's a language that allows us to change. Video is not the same. It's that face to face encounter that transforms us. When we look at people, our brains observe, but when we look in their eyes, our brains engage. Joy grows in face to face encounters with others. Joy isn't created, joy is reflected. You can't think your way to joy. You can only receive it through experience. Psalm 1611. In God's presence. There's fullness of joy. What's interesting is the Hebrew word for presence. We've translated because we don't. Because we have a bunch of left brain theologians who are intellectually smart, but not emotionally smart. That, that word in God's presence is actually in God's face. There's fullness of joy. And many times in the Psalms, the Hebrew word for face was translated into presence, but it's actually face, in his face. If you read some of the new translations, like the Passion, they've, they've brought these out. Psalms 21.6, you've endowed him with eternal blessings and you've given him the joy of your presence. It's actually the joy of your face. God's looking at you. Psalms 34, gaze upon him, join your life with his and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory you'll never wear that shame face again. This verse literally carries the same image of of that of a parent smiling down on their child. Gaze into his face. Gaze upon him. Lift up your eyes. Lift up. How many times do we find in the Psalms, lift up your countenance. That means stop staring at the ground. Look up. Because he's looking to you. And the greatest discovery that you'll ever make in your life with God is the discovering that he is not looking down stern. He's actually looking down with joy and love. And what happens in us is when we begin to look at him, that joy begins to reflect off of us. We don't have to make it. We don't have to create it. All we can do is, is receive it and reflect it. And as we sing this next song, I want you to think of this with this translation in mind. It comes from, directly from Numbers chapter 6 in verse 24 through 26. It says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The literal translation of that, the Lord make his face shine upon you, is may you experience the joy of God's face shining upon you. So as we think about this, or as we as we sing this next song, don't just think about God, but allow your, yourself to experience his love in your life. Allow your heart to experience. You know, your heart is actually, what we call our heart is a lot of the right brain. Don't You don't have to squash your heart down. God wants that to be a part of your life, your experience and your faith. You know, God, the, his invitation to us is not just to know about him, but it's actually to know him. It's actually to to not just have intellectual knowledge but to actually have an experience of experiencing his love in our lives his face shining down upon us and i want to just i'm going to lead us in a prayer and if you're here today maybe you've never prayed a prayer to god maybe you've never you've never had that relationship with him or maybe you're watching online and you're thinking you know I've heard about God but I can't say I know God his invitation for us is to know him and I'm just going to lead us right now and if you're in this room or you're watching online right now you can just join us together as we as we pray let's pray Jesus I invite you to my life would you come into my life would you forgive me of my sin I want to experience your life in my life. I give you permission to lead me, to speak to me, and to make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, you guys. And just before my wife takes over here, I want to you know, there was, I was reading in my devotions today, and I want to I give you a quick plug. If you want to do a devotion on YouVersion, uh, there's a devotion called Joy, the Church, yeah. and the Neglected Face of God. And it's all about how to get that. Today's was that, think of it as this way, you are a cabin by the lake, but there is a forest in yeah. front of the lake, and that lake is joy the first time you get back to that it's to get a path to that lake it's going to take work you're right. going to have to cut down trees you're going to have to hack yeah. a path it's going to be hard yeah. but the next time you go it will be easier yes. and it will get easier and easier so and easier the more you wear that path yeah. and yeah. you know if some of you have lost joy i want to tell you you can get joy back yes. Yes. joy joy does return in the morning and just beat that path down to the lake and get yourself into the joy water we hope today's message encouraged you if you want to take your next step in saying yes to jesus you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the city life app It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.